Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you out here on this beautiful hillside, this beautiful weather. Like God's Word says, this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, now next Sunday, let me go over announcement or two here. Lord willing, and of course we've been watching this whole thing, but Lord willing, we're going to try to be inside next week. Uh, I'm anxious to hear a praise team again, aren't you? You know what, that just touched my heart and said, we're about full of you, Vic. We want to... <laughs> but yeah, I'm anxious to see the see and hear our praise team next week. So Lord willing, uh, I know there's different feelings about the mass thing, but it, 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 it may not keep you from getting it, but it can keep you from spreading it. So if you would be so kind uh, to keep, take that into consideration, uh, next Sunday, and I'm going to try to get Matt to get us one of those temperature reading things to put on people's forehead. Will you see that getting us one of those, Matt? Yes, sir. And, uh, and make sure it kind of goes on your your forehead, all right? You got... Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I ordered the wrong one. Yeah, no, yeah don't order the wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong one there. That, that would not go over good. Uh, our call to worship is taken from Matthew chapter 24, verse 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Uh, I usually have a prayer request sheet. I don't have one with me yes. this morning. Oh, we want to uh, remember... Uh, Amanda Billy Jack's family in prayer. We want to remember Wendy uh, Lee in prayer and uh, Murph in prayer. We Kim Penix. To, uh, Kim Penix in prayer. Uh, anybody else you can think of? Uh, Linda Feathers. Linda Feathers. Ginger and Troy Hood. Uh, Ginger and Troy Hood. And uh, Darlene Johnson, her brother. Oh, yeah, Darlene Johnson's brother uh, died yesterday. So please remember Darlene and her family in prayer. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just ask these prayer requests we've lifted up that you would touch at the very heart, the very center of each one of these needs. And Father, all of us have concerns that weigh heavy. We just ask for your touch. You know our need even before we speak. And Father, we pray for our country. We ask, Father God, that you would heal it spiritually, mentally, and physically. We pray, Father God, that this virus would be removed from our community, from our state, from our nation. We pray, Father God, that you would be with our nation's leader. That you would be with our president. Give him wisdom and discernment. And we pray, Father God, that this nation will turn back to you. That they will see these things that are going on in compliance with your word that these things will come about, come about prior to your return. So Father, we just ask that you would lead us, God's direction. We thank you for the freedom to be here to worship. And we thank you for the United States of America, Father God, what you have done or are doing, and by God's grace, shall do. To you be the praise, glory, and adoration in all things. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, I can't hear you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Matt, any other announcements you can think of? That, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to do online on Sunday and Wednesday night for a while. Uh, we'll still do online Sunday nights and Wednesday night. Yeah. We'll do the one service Sunday on Sunday morning from 11 to 12 like we're doing now because it will go out via WTFM. Yes. And um, our, our underwater basket weaving class has been dismissed to further right. notice, yes. right? Yes, that's okay. right. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I know you had your heart set on that. I'm going to do a couple songs here for you. I don't claim to be uh, anything special only to my mama. But uh, anyway. I am a poor wayfaring stranger Traveling through this world alone There is no sickness 
Ford Ranger in that fair land to which I go. I'm going home to see my mother. I'm going home no more to roam. I'm just a over Jordan. I'm just a over home. I know dark clouds will hover over me. I know my pathway is rough and steep. But golden fields lie out before me. Weary eyes, no more to weep. I'm going home to see my father. Going home, no more to roam. I'm just a going over Jordan. I'm just a going over home. I'll soon be free. From every trial, this form shall rest beneath the sod. I'll drop the cross of self-denial and enter in that home with God. I'm going home to see my Savior, going home no more to roam. I'm just a ghost. In over Jordan, I'm just a go in over home, just a go in over home. That's an old, old song. Don't know. Make a look up to see who the author of that was. I don't have no no clue. That's sort of a down kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very contemplative, uh, dark, dark kind of song. Maybe this, uh, uh, hold on here, let me take this cake a little off. Maybe this would be a little more. It's a horrible pit, a horrible place to be down on your knees and down on your face. When the burdens of life seem to weigh you down There's no place to turn, no help to be found Look up, look up, your redemption draws nigh Jesus is coming with his angels on high Look up, look up, he's drawing so near No use to be fretting, no use to fear If the work you adore or the love of your life Seem to vanish away, gone out of sight. There's a love that is great, there's a love that is kind. I know Christ is faithful, I know that He's mine. Look up, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming with His angels on high. Look up, look up, He's drawing so near. No use to be fretting, no use for fear. If you know him as Savior, you know him as Lord. He has many blessings for his children in store. Give him all of your problems, give him all of your care. And heaven is great glory you can't wait to share. Look, look up, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming with his angels on high. Look up, look up, he's drawing so near. No use to be fretting, no use to fear. If you're surrounded by sickness and so filled with dread, remember Christ's victory, he rose from the dead. It shall come not near you, it shall not prevail. Keep trusting in Jesus, all will go well. Look up. Look up, your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming with his angels on high. Look up, look up, he's drawing so near. No use to be fretting, no use to fear. Look up, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming with his angels on high. Look up, look up, he's drawing so near. No use to be fretting, 
this day and age with everything going on we need to take that to heart no use fretting no use to be afraid let me get this off Whoa. hold on i'll get situated here in just a second Get situated here. This past week, this past week, I had someone to contact me uh, and ask me. Said, uh, "Dick, will you? There's a, a relative of theirs. Thank you, son. There's a relative of theirs who had a lot of questions about the Bible." about the existence of God, uh, what the Bible said, would you mind giving them a call? I said, well, sure. So I gave them a call, and uh, right away I could tell this fellow's like, who is this? I said, uh, I'm Vic Young, I'm pastor of Fountain of Life Bible Church. Uh, such and such relative told me you had some Bible questions that you haven't uh, gotten answers for. I said, I got answers. I said, oh, well, good. And I said, yeah, glad that was satisfied. He said, yeah, the answer is there's no answer. I said, I've talked to different preachers. They don't know the answer. I said, well, can I ask you uh, out of curiosity what the question was? He said, well, there is no God. I don't believe in a virgin birth, and the Bible is just stories written by man. I said, uh, Wow. I said, uh, you don't have faith. He said, you can't see God. You can't talk to Him. There is no proof. And I said, well, let me explain something to you. There's a lot of things we know exist that we can't see. I said, for example, you probably have a brain, but you can't see it. And he said, thank you for calling us. He hung up. <laughs> so I don't know if he had a brain or not. But anyway... Evidence would speak otherwise, but uh, I wish he would have given me some time to try to talk to him. Now, you may know people, you may be one of those individuals, you just don't believe there's any proof that there's a God. You just believe the Bible's a bunch of stories that's written by man. Uh, you don't believe in the virgin birth because science says such a situation would be considered a miracle and the miracle is outside of the realm of science and that science is the be all do all and the last word uh nothing to be further from the truth i want to read a passage of scripture to you from hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's have just another moment's word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. We thank you for this day, this beautiful day, this time of fellowship, and the joy to come about and to study your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I heard a story some time that this little this young boy teenage boy his name was johnny and his mother had been after him to uh, carry the garbage out some of you moms may know what that's like and so johnny woke up one morning he was anxious to get to the beach because there's a young girl by the name of sarah who would go down to the beach and he wanted to get down there to meet her so johnny came downstairs to get a bowl of his favorite cereal which was alphabets but when he got to the table, he saw the box of alphabets had fell over and the letters had fell out to where it says, don't forget to take out the garbage. He thought, man, what are the chances of that box of alphabets falling over and spelling out, don't forget to take out the garbage. He said, that, that's phenomenal. I can't wait to tell people about that. So he goes out of the house and 
Johnny gets to the beach and he sees off in the distance the girl he's been looking for walking with his buddy Scott. And he sees him off distance, so he starts walking towards them. He's thinking, well, maybe they're just talking, they're just friends. He looks down in the sand and there's a heart drawn. And in the heart it says, Scott loves Sarah. And he thought, that's amazing. The waves has washed up here and, and some hermit crab has moved around and actually left a heart here with the, what looks like that Scott loves Sarah on that. Just amazing how that happened. Well, Scott and Sarah got gone and so he decided to lay down on the beach. And he looked up at the sky and there in the skies, the, the clouds just all formed one of the most amazing things. It said, drink Coca-Cola. Well, obviously, these things had a cause. Mama had left those letters, picked them out. We know that Scott and Sarah were the ones who left that. And that there was a riding plane that flew over who had left great Coca-Cola. Well, if you think that all this we know, all this we see, uh -oh, uh -oh, it's just a matter of coincidence. Just had, it had to happen. You see, if you believe in evolution, you have to do that. In fact, the chances are greater that all these things that we know and see every day and at night accidentally came about, it would be more feasible to believe in the things that I've just shared with you that came about than to believe that all these things that we... That in fact, it's what's called the anthropic. The anthropic, all the conditions that make it possible to sustain life on this planet. You see... God's word, God's word. Hold on here, just a second. God's word even tells us over here in uh, Psalm 19. I want you to see this if you have your Bibles with you, and would like to turn over to Psalm 19. Don't get to it. I'll give you just a second here. I want you to see this is a very important fact. I'd like for you to to follow along with this. Look here in the very first two verses of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Thank you, Bernie. I appreciate Frog and Bernie who come down here and set all of this up and get it dialed in and they get here early and do all that. We just praise God for Frog and Bernie doing that. The heavens declare the glory of God, His its expanse, His handiwork, day unto day poured forth speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. God's Word is telling us the proof of the pudding that there is a God. Look around you. The heavens declare. Now this, here's, here's a $10 word called cosmological. And the Bible substantiates this. When you look up in the, in, in the night sky, you, you're looking at five billion stars and to travel from one star to the next is 30 trillion miles now according to the space shuttle there's a part actually in the space shuttle that it travels at five miles per second if you had started from from one star to go to the next star at the time of jesus birth at five miles per second and then over 30 trillion miles away, even to this date, you'd still like 207,000 miles to get there. So when you see these stars like that, and God's Word tells us that He has named each star, and, number, and if any of these stars were out of sync, it would have effect on the moon, which has effect on the gravitational pull of this earth. And we couldn't be able to sustain life. When you look around at the different situations, in fact, uh, uh, if you will, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans. We're reading the Old Testament. Turn over here to Romans chapter 1. And I want you to look at verses 19 and 20. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. From the beginning of time, man has gone outside and looked around. He's got an option. He can fall down and worship the rocks and the trees. It's called pantheism or animism. And worship those things. Or he can look at creation and say, I want to know who created this. I want to worship that God who made all this possible. Back in the 1700s, man by the name of Paley, P-A-L-E-Y, who came up with what's called the watch theory. He said if you were walking through a field and you looked down and you saw a watch laying there, you wouldn't pick up that watch and say, look what just happened by itself. Look what just formed is lying here in, the, in this field, this well-made, handcrafted watch, and it just happened by itself. Of course not. That would be foolish, be insane. You look at the watch and you realize there was a watch maker. When you look at this world and you realize all the intricacies of it, you, want, you, you have to, or, or will it be willfully blind uh, in the fact that there is a divine creator? And I don't know how far we get along in determining this morning how we can determine that uh, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but this all will lead to that. So we look at creation. And Bible says that even creation tells us that there is a God. Now, I want to read one more passage along that line. In Isaiah 40, verses 25 and 26. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Again, God's word says, look around. This is what's called the cosmological argument. Look around. You, you've got to realize, you can't go outside and just say, look what all just happened. There had to be a divine creator. Back in 1970, there was the... Um, uh, Apollo 13. Now, some of you may not be old enough to remember this, but uh, back in, I know Jerry Keller can, in fact, he knew Abraham Lincoln, but nevertheless, the Apollo 13 uh, was supposedly to have a module that would land on the moon. Well, 55 hours into, from the point of launch, all of a sudden, they heard a loud bang. At first, Lovell thought, one of his partners was trying to play a game behind him. And he looked around, he looked at the expression of his co-pilots and realized this isn't a game. Then all of a sudden the dials on the oxygen tank started going wild. It's reading zero to 100. And they looked out the window and they saw something flapping and they saw it looked like a gas uh, leaving the Apollo 13 capsule. They realized that that gas that was seeping out was oxygen. Tank number two had exploded and damaged tank number one. They called back in Houston, we have a problem. And man, did they have a problem. Because the atmosphere, the oxygen and the electricity were ran by oxygen combining with hydrogen to produce oxygen and electricity in that capsule. And so all they were beginning to do was breathing their own air carbon dioxide. They all got into the lunar module to they could try to figure something out. Fortunately, Houston, it was, it was absolutely amazing. Get a chance to go back and read what all they did to bring this about. Because you see, in that capsule, as well as in our world, we have to have 21% oxygen. 25% oxygen, there'll be spontaneous fires all over the world. 15% oxygen, we would all suffocate. We're sort of like the boy in the bubble, which sometimes I feel like that's what Matt is. Our atmosphere has to be exactly right to sustain life. When they came back to Earth, they, had, they couldn't land on the moon. In fact, they had to use the gravitational pull of the moon to slingshot themselves back towards Earth. The moon is an exact location of the earth 
it, it's, it's like if you took two magnets and took both North Poles, you would see how it would repel. Our moon, along with the Earth, is in such a, a position that it has a proper, gives us a proper gravitational pull. If it was any less, any more, there would be the, the, the proper rotation, there would be, a, it wouldn't sustain life. So they actually use the gravitational pull of the moon to catapult themselves back to Earth. And on their re-entry, on the re-entry, they were concerned about hitting Earth's atmosphere just right because if they hit it head on, they would evaporate. So they had to hit it at a proper angle. You know why? Because the bubble that encapsulates our atmosphere has a certain amount of transparency. Any less than the transparency we have, we'd burn up by the sun. Any more, we would freeze to death. So as they came back in, they had to hit that atmosphere of transparency at a proper angle to keep them from bursting into flames or literally exploding. You see, even when they were out in space, or the earlier said how, I believe it was uh, John Glenn, don't quote me on this, I'll have to look that up, said how could anybody look back at the earth and look at this and not realize there's a God? The fool has said in his heart there is no God. You have to be blind not to realize just by, by looking around you. It's absolutely incredible. When we look into space, let me give you an example. Albert Einstein came up with what was called general relativity. And in general relativity, this is a hypothesis that Einstein had, but he couldn't prove it until there was the Hubble telescope. And Einstein traveled to California to Wilson Mountain where the Hubble telescope was located. This is 1929. He walks up and he looks through the lens of the Hubble telescope and all of a sudden he said, and I might not be quoting exactly, basically what he said is, I wish I hadn't seen that. You know what he saw? He saw that there was a red tracing of the movement of stars and planets. You know what that meant? that the universe was expanding. That there was a point in time where all that we know came into existence. When he looked through that telescope and he saw these, these, the, the movement of everything in the universe, he realized there was a point in time where all this came into creation. It just had not been here for eternity. And Einstein even said, I want to know how God did this. I want to know how God designed this. Because now, before all that, and even till today, there are some that literally have to close their mind to the scientific reality that everything that we know had in point in time came into existence. In fact, so many know it as the Big Bang Theory. And so when, they, when, when Einstein looked through there, he had to acknowledge that it began at a certain time and it had to have begun with a designer. Now the bad thing is Einstein and some scientists consider what you see, as I said before, basically pantheists, that it came about at a point in time. But they say that all this molecular uh, conglomeration had to come about just work to cause the bang. They know themselves it's an impossibility. They've tried to duplicate such a theory and have never even come close. And so when we, we look at, at uh, uh, in regards to the space, we see that the universe is indeed expanding. And you know what that means? The second law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermo, thermodynamics is this. Everything runs down. Since the universe is expanding, and all the scientists have to agree with this, that means the universe is losing energy. It is, it is as a second law of thermodynamics, it is dying at an ever slow rate. And so when we look at the law, of, uh, the second law of thermodynamics to realize that everything runs down, even your bodies, it kills the idea of evolution. Because things don't grow energy and grow up. Things run down. Even our universe. 
is expanding and running down. Einstein had to realize, he realized that. That's why he said when he saw that, he had to change his whole worldview to realize there was a point in time, a big bang, if you will, that came about that established everything that we see, everything that we know. Now, fast forward a couple decades, there were a couple of uh, astronomers, scientists and such, had this huge, huge satellite with antenna that was faced towards outer space, out into the universe. They kept hearing this noise, like waves of noise. It'd get louder, it'd get less and all that. And they thought that perhaps it was bird droppings that had got on their antenna. So they cleaned all that up, but it didn't go away. And so they go out there and they're trying to figure out what is that noise? A crackling noise and it would get louder and, and, and die down and get louder again. What, what is that crackling noise? Then they realized what it was. It was particles left over from the big bang. You know, if you have an explosion, you have particles go everywhere. But they concluded that what was on their antenna causing this noise were actually the particles from the big bang that occurred to put everything that we know. And for we Christians, we are creationists, we believe who, that believe in design origin, we believe, yes, there is a big bang and God created all this. They have to acknowledge there is a big bang, but their theories are off the wall as to how that came about. And so they, they, they have, have this, this uh, sound, this noise, they realize that this is literally left over in the universe from the Big Bang when everything came in. And then, if that wasn't enough, they started noticing radiation particles that came from the Big Bang, the moment that the universe and the Earth were created. It's sort of like if you were to, to take a drill or a metal saw and you cut through some metal, you see marks where the teeth had gone through the metal, swirls if you will. Well, the radiation that was in the universe, the, the radiation that was in space, was radiation that came forth from the Big Bang. And then there's what's called the Great Galaxy Seed. Great Galaxy Seed. That tells us the particles, actually, that are still out there from the Big Bang when everything came into being. And so... But somebody says there is no proof that there is a God. They're blind. As God's word says in Corinthians, the God of this world has blinded their minds lest they should see the glorious gospel of Christ. We call this the surge, if you will, to demonstrate these, all these things coming about. When the Apollo 13 capsule gave us an insight of how precious our sphere is, when we look at all the things that we have here, it has to be in exact sync to give life. There's no way these things could have just happened by themselves. So why do the evolutions with all this, in fact, there are godly Christian scientists who conclude you see, everything has a cause. That's what science is about. Science means we want to see what the cause is. Science has always done that. If there's a sickness, disease, what caused it so that we can find a remedy for it? We look around our universe. Where did the cause come from? Any scientist, whether he's a creationist or whether he's an evolutionist, science is still the same thing. The, 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 the view of what is cause and effect. And so there's no doubting the things I've shared with you. Check, I always tell you this. Check it out. Don't take my word for it. All these things and much, much more that is evidence of the cause of the momentary creating out of nothing which God creates out of fiat. All this evidence is clear. It's not debatable. So why is there evolutionists who will not claim that there was a divine designer? 
Why are there evolutionists? And, and when you see all this information, you see that science does not uh, discount biblical creation. In fact, every as you see, every scientific innovation literally substantiates what the Bible says about how everything is here and how we came about. You probably remember uh, if you studied evolution in school, said, well, there's such a thing as a one-cell creature called an amoeba. There's a one-cell creature, and that's where we came from. It was a matter of this ooze, this, this amoeba, and it became electrified, and therefore it turned into a reptile, and reptiles turned into birds, and uh, we have a chromosome link up to 90 points to, to apes, and that's where we came from. Now, I've met some people that I might believe if they were using, uh, I've seen some of their family, but nevertheless, they still couldn't be. And so, the evolutionists will use the example, or had used the example of the amoeba. Well, all of a sudden, something came along called DNA. DNA looks like a twisted ladder. And it's numbered. Numbers, numbers itself, mathematics, can prove the existence of God, can prove the Big Bang Theory. And the, the, the mathematics that's involved in DNA literally show that in an amoeba, a one-celled animal, there's over 3,000 different DNA. So before the, the scientists thought they found a single cell, they don't realize. And the thing about the, the amoeba with the DNA, 30, over 30 volumes of, full volumes of Encyclopedia Britannica couldn't hold the information that they got from that one-celled animal once DNA was established. And so when you, when you, when you, you, you can't help but think, goodness gracious, with all this evidence to substantiate God, how can anyone not believe? You take Richard Dawkins. You've heard me speak of him before. And he said, irrespective of the evidence. Check me out. Check this out. Irrespective of the evidence for a divine designer, we cannot allow God's foot in the door. You see, it, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. You don't have enough faith to be an atheist. You have to willfully blind yourself to the evidence to hold on to the evolutionary theory. Richard Dawkins himself said we can't crack that door open because then we have to let God into the picture and that will change everything for us. And many, when you can get an evolutionist to be candid, I'm talking about scientists, that you can be candid, do you know what the number one reason is in, in, in candidly speaking? Uh, I'm trying to think of his name... Um, Oh, because he debates on this issue time and time again. Geisler. Geisler. And he has literally had the evolutionists, after he has spoken, demonstrated the very things that I've talked to you about here, only in more in detail. And they said, well, the evidence is clear. They'd be having demonstrated, but the evidence is clear. They said, well, how could you still hold on to evolutionary thought? And they said, because I would have to change my lifestyle. You see, if there is a divine creator and we realize that we are different than the animals. You see, evolution says, for example, from the amoeba to the fish to the serpent to the lizard and that the lizards turned into, had feathers and became birds. But something that's never been found. Never. Never. With all the archaeology, with all the fossils, there has never been a mammal or fish or anything that is in the middle of that transition. Where they tried to say that mankind evolved from apes. And you'll say, oh, well, there's the pits down man. Well, when they start doing the, the look, the checking about the pits down, this was in England. This professor, his students went out and, and aged a monkey skull and buried it. And they came forth and admitted, no, we were playing a hoax on our professor. When you, when you see the Peking man, they said that they found a missing link and they were going to send the bones and the fossils back to the United States and it mysteriously disappeared. How convenient. When you see in Africa uh, the leakies who claim that they had found it. 
And they looked, and the leakies were, had even, it had even been discovered that they had purposely aged and had, had monkeyed around with the skull to make it look like that. There has never been, check all this out, people, never been anything found that would demonstrate an evolution from one species to another. Now, if you raise dogs, you can raise dogs everything from a, a, a chihuahua to a, a wolfgown hound. And all varieties, short hair, no hair, whatever. That is design genetics. But a dog will always be a dog. It won't cross over to something else. A cat will always be a cat. It won't evolve into something else. There is, it takes more faith to believe in evolution. When you look at creation and realize there is divine design. And now you want to know who that is. Now here's something else that's called ontologically. We went from cosmological to teleological, which means puts the facts together and look around our own universe. Besides just looking out there, just, just what it takes to live here in this planet. Now there's what's called the ontological. And what that means is all people in the world, all people, have an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Some of you have heard me share this before. For example, I said, well, Vic, that can't be because some people have more than one wife. Yeah, but they can't have any wife they want. If, if for example, I heard a professor one time, I didn't hear about it, I read about a professor one time. He had his students to write about morals. Is morals something that is within the DNA of our creation? Or if it is something we elect to do, something we decide to do? And so this one student wrote a scholarly, beautiful paper dealing with uh, morals was something we just decide to do, we elect to do. Well, the professor read it, and he wrote on the student's paper, F, I don't like blue folders. And so the student, when he came back, he saw that he got an F with a note written under it, I don't like blue folders. Well, he stormed to the professor's office and said, What's this about? That's bias. That's not fair. That's not right. He said, wait a minute. Aren't you the student who said there's no right or wrong? It's just a matter of our selection of morals? So even within, within this student, there is a sense of what is acceptable. For example, in any culture, it's not acceptable in battle for soldiers to run away. Cowardice. Where does that come from? In our creation all over the world, whether we speak, even understand the language, everybody has a sense of what is right, what is moral, and what is wrong and unethical. It's in the DNA of every human being. If there wasn't a God who instilled that in His creation, where did it come from? If you have peoples all over the world have not interacted in any shape, form, or fashion, where did this morality that's inherent in every person come from, other than the fact that we were created in the image of a God who was good, who was righteous, and who was holy. And so our next question would be, how do we find this, this moral God? How do we recognize who He is? If He is righteous and He is holy, where do we find Him? Do we find him in Islam that teaches in the Quran, in fact, which was written 600 years after Muhammad by his followers to kill Christians? Does that sound like a moral, holy God? For example, when the, the, the World Trade Center was flown into, it had been the other way around, uh, and the families of the hijackers uh, had been on there or put on there even they would have to say, that's not right, that's not good, that's bad. That's bad. So, how does this morality come about? There must be this God who has a sense of good and evil that is put within we, His creation. So, can we find Him in Islam? No, that shows uh, murder of innocent people. You look for any religion that would represent a holy and a just God and you'll see religions where people have to live in fear and cater sacrifice and all this to appease their 
false god. When you look at Judaism, you see something totally different. You see a God who is of love and compassion and forgiveness. If God is moral and righteous and pure, and mankind is not, He has a carnal nature. You see, we sing songs that this is my Father's world. It is by creation, but it's the devil's by squatter's rights. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they yielded this terra firma over to the devil. And so now we, we are fighting night and day, all of our lives to yield to righteousness instead of unrighteousness. And so when we realize that the God of Judaism has a way to be forgiven of all our wrongs. And even within that Old Testament describes the prophet who is going to come to take away once and for all all the sins of the world. And so that's why when I get a phone call somebody says there's no proof. I, it's all I can do to keep from laughing. I'm thinking, no proof? No proof? It's right. I think the first time I utilized this, Bernie, is we were down at the um, prison at the boys' facility. And uh, I said, some of you here may not uh, believe there is a God. I said, what would you think if I could show God's place where he lives? What would you think if I could show you eternity? I could show it to you. You could see it. And they all kind of looked funny. And I, we were outside anyway under this breezeway. And I said, I want you to look up. Just look up. What do you see? Of course, they're thinking clouds and all that. I said, you see our atmosphere. And beyond that, it's the stratosphere. And after that, it's universal space. And then I asked the question, how long and how far does space go? And they said, forever. I said, I just showed you eternity. It's right before your eyes. All you have to do is look up, and that's what God's Word said in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and their expanse is handiwork. Day unto day poureth forth speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. It's all around us. Testimony. That's why God's Word said in Romans 1, 19 and 20, that we can believe and know Him by the things that are clearly made so that you are without excuse. One reason, there's new, well, I'll take it back, there's numerous reasons why people claim to be an atheist, agnostic, just like the evolutionists that say, if I have to do that, I have to change my understanding of morality. I have to change my concept that I can sleep with whoever I want to, whenever I want to, wherever I want to. If I accept creation, I have to accept there is a God, a righteous, moral God. And in so doing, I have to change my whole life. I have to change my morality. And I feel comfortable in my skin doing whatever I want to do when I want to do it. And if God were to get His foot in the door, as Richard Hawkins said, can't allow. All that would change. Not only that, but all these universities that are getting grants from the government and all the things that they have taught, they'd have to come forth and admit they were wrong. And you talk about egos, talk to some professors for a while. They're not about to admit that. So there are scientists who privately will agree that the evidence, as now with all the technology that we have, the evidence is overwhelming. Overwhelming. That everything we see that there is a God. A watch just doesn't happen in a field. Neither does the intricacies of all we see around us. All that we see around us. The exact balance, the anthropic balance that guarantees life on this little ball we call Earth. As I say, well, what about life on other planets? So far, there's nothing even nearly close enough to sustain life. Personally, I don't believe in extraterrestrials. I don't believe that there's... I think people see things. I think, I think people see, see things. Uh, you take Earl after a bottle of two of wine, I guarantee he sees something. <laughs> Is Earl here today? I love to pick up. There's nothing, even with a Hubble telescope, that can indicate there are those aspects 
that can sustain life anyplace else. And if it sustained life, there would have to be the same situation. Christ would have to die again and again on all these spheres. I believe God created everything that we know in six days and rested on the seventh. Now I know there are those people who say these were not literal days, that they were millenniums and all that. No, I, you, I mean, this, we can have disagreement on that as long as we agree that He is the Creator, that He created. That's the number one thing. That God is. That's why why when Moses came to the burning bush and he asked, asked God, said, Whom shall I say sent me when he went back to Pharaoh? God said, I am that I am. That's all you need to know. We know that God's Word tells us in Colossians, the first chapter, that Jesus, listen to this, Jesus created everything that we know and by Him all things consist. Break that down. You know what that means? For example, Brandy, when you go home and you turn the light switch on, that doesn't mean the TVA sent you electricity and uh, you're not getting any more electricity. No, electricity continually flows from TVA down so that you keep your room illuminated. That's what that's telling us in Colossians. He not only created, but by Him it continues to flow, continues to consist. And exist. You see, he's still in the creation picture. He's still in creation at this very moment. Does that alleviate man's responsibility to take care of creation? No. Because we see that God put man in the garden and told man to till and to take care of it. See, that's where I might come in a little closer, not to the tree huggers, but to the fact that we do need to take care of our environment because God created it and said it is good and told mankind to take care of his garden. And so the atheist, the agnostic, the evolutionist, he don't want to believe this. It, evolution is a religion even more so than Christianity because you have to blindly deny the facts to claim to be an atheist an evolutionist now in 1st Corinthians 15 if you have your Bibles read in 1st Corinthians 15 I get over here to it uh -oh, I just licked my finger, you know how am I supposed to do that now? Uh, let's start with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you receive, and wherein ye stand. Which also you are saved, if you keep the memory of what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for sin, to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to scripture and that he was seen Cephas, then of the twelve after that seen above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part to this present but some were fallen asleep after that he was seen of james and of all the apostles and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of time for i am the least of the apostles that I am not me to be called apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, and yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so we believe. So we've established, and I've done this very succinctly. In fact, uh, Norm Geisler, I recommend a book, he wrote it with a Fred Turk, I believe his last name. It's in the book's title, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. If you want to go into it in more detail, read that book. They've done a wonderful job and they lecture on that topic uh, from a creationist point of view. And so we establish there's no God. Creative design, intelligent design. And so we see the moral, ontological evidence of right and wrong. And we look at the other religion, what religion best reflects, what faith 
reflect. You see, as Francis Schaeffer wrote a book, he said, the God who is there and not silent. God wants us to believe. God's Word says, those who seek me shall find me. Those who seek me shall find me. He gives us enough information as we read in Romans that those who are His and those who will be saved will want to find Him. Remember I said initially, there are those who go outside and they look at creation, they fall down and worship it. There are those who go outside, see creation, and say, I want to know who the Creator is. Those who want to know the Creator, He has left enough detail so that you can find Him. God's Word says, those who seek Him early shall find Him. And so if we find Him, we know that He is the God of the Judeo-Christian belief. That this is the God that represents faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We see that God wants to reconcile mankind to Himself. And then we look at the archaeological, the uh, higher criticism, lower criticism of how we got the Bible. And how science has substantiated the depth of the Bible and how it came about and the, the inspiration of the Bible as much as man can understand in our little finite minds. And then we get to 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul gives us evidence that there are eyewitnesses. At one point there's over 500 eyewitnesses. This wasn't hundreds of years later like the followers of Muhammad. This is within 10 to 20 years. There were people standing there said, you remember, you were part of the 500 people that saw him ascend into heaven. And nobody contradicted that because they remembered it. The evidence substantiates that the Bible is indeed the inspired and errant and fallible Word of God. And in that, we must confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And believe with all our heart, soul, mind, and being. And believe that God is raised from the dead. Matt tells me I've got just three minutes. And so I want to pray a prayer. And then I'm going to do a last song here. Dad, please pray for Darren Sherfy. Who? Darren Sherfy. Darren Sherfy. All right, let's go to the Lord prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. Father, I pray that if anyone here today does not know you as the Lord and Savior of their life, that they'll pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord and my God and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to do a song for you that for years, for some reason, Matt thought I wrote it. But I didn't. Uh, it was... It's written by, is that, okay, we got that? All right. I could wish you joy and peace last a whole life long. I could wish you sunshine or cheerful little song. Yes, and I could wish you paradise that each day be spring. But I wish you Jesus. But I wish you Jesus. But I wish you Jesus More than anything I could wish you leaves of gold That your paths be smooth I could wish you treasures and that all your dreams come true yes and i could wish you paradise that each day be spring but i wish you jesus but i wish you jesus more than anything I could 
can wish you joy and peace to last a whole life long. I could wish you sunshine or a cheerful little song. Yes, and I could wish you paradise that each day be spring. But I wish you Jesus. But I wish you Jesus. But I wish you Jesus more than anything. When I wish you Jesus, I wished you everything. Thanks for being here today. Lord willing, we'll be inside the church next Sunday. Hope to see you all there and uh, be praying that all goes well. I'm anxious to hear our praise team get back to us again. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. We thank you for this day and for all the many blessings that you give us. I pray, Father God, if any know you not as Lord and Savior, that they will have prayed that prayer we just prayed. Please keep us our going out and coming in and bring us back.